The Law Podcasting Podcast is brought to you by Power Podcasting for Lawyers, the only how-to podcasting course designed specifically for attorneys, where you can learn the ins and outs of creating and producing your own law podcast so you can grow your practice by building authority, affinity, and trust with prospective clients and referral sources. With short, easy-to-digest video and audio lessons and a community of like-minded lawyer podcasters, Power Podcasting for Lawyers is the best way to get your show off the ground smoothly and quickly. Learn more about Power Podcasting for Lawyers at lawpodcasting.com. This is the Law Podcasting Podcast, where you learn how to use modern media to get your message out and more good clients to your law practice. Here's your host, Gordon Firemark. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Law Podcasting Podcast. I am your host, Gordon Firemark, and this is the show where I bring you information about how lawyers are using the power of podcasting to support and develop their businesses, even when they're not podcasting specifically on legal subject matter. My guest today is a friend and acquaintance uh, through the podcasting world, Daryl Darnell. Daryl began podcasting about the TV show Fringe back in 2008 and then formed a company called Golden Spiral Media a couple of years later. That is now a large podcasting network that has over two dozen different podcasts in it. Golden Spiral has been nominated for nine podcast awards, including three nominations for Best Produced and won the Best Entertainment Podcast in 2010. Daryl has been consulting and producing podcasts for other podcasters since 2012 under the banner of Golden Spiral Media. And then in 2014, started he started Pro Podcast Solutions as a standalone brand to help podcasters produce better shows and hone their craft. He's helped launch over 150 podcasts and produced over 4,000 podcast episodes. His current podcast is called Stuff I Learned Yesterday. And let's welcome Daryl. Daryl, thank you for being with us. Oh, my pleasure. Excited to be here, Gordon. So tell us a little bit about how you got started in podcasting, going back to Fringe and before. Were you a listener? What was your thing? Yeah, I I was a listener. So I'm not a, It's this is kind of interesting. People learn this about me. I'm not a big TV watcher. Hmm. I have about two to three shows at any given time that I watch. And prior to this TV show called Lost, I was even a more casual TV watcher than that. It was something that we might have had on regularly, but we didn't have a show that we kind of had our schedule and we tuned in every week to watch this show no matter what. And then we saw the commercials for this show called Lost and we thought, that looks really interesting. Let's watch that. So we watched it from the pilot and our minds were blown, my wife and I, but mine in particular, it grabbed me in in a way that nothing ever had before. So. I started looking online and I found forums that were dedicated to the show. This is back in 2004, of yeah. course. And then that led me to people talking about podcasts. And I don't know the first one that I discovered, but I became a really big fan of, of course, the official Lost podcast that uh, Damon and Carlton did. I don't, they didn't do that right away, but mm-hmm. when they did that. But two podcasts in particular, Ryan and Jen Ozawa, who did the transmission because they lived in Oahu and Ryan would go scope out oh, shooting nice. locations <laughs> and have these nice insights. But the one that I tuned into regularly, religiously, was Cliff Ravenscraft's The Weekly Lost Podcast. Yeah. I listened to it every week when it was on season and off because they had an episode every week. Yep. 
And even when they were le- reading the Wikipedia entries um, or <laughs> Lostpedia entries about the show, I was I was tuning in faithfully, joining in their initial reaction live shows, everything that I could do to be a part of that community. And then Cliff started. I, I would send in feedback um, mm-hmm. to to their podcast every once in a while, and Cliff would play those, and it was just like the best coolest thing ever to have my voice on this podcast that I loved so much. And so when, so JJ Abrams was kind of one of the guys who created the show. Yeah. Uh, and then he handed it off to Damon and Carlton. Mm-hmm. And so JJ's next show was fringe. And so some friends uh, that I worked with said, Hey, we should do a podcast on fringe. And it just seemed like the best idea ever. And so that's kind of how my podcasting journey started from discovering podcasts to becoming a podcaster. I got, you know, I gotta say it's remarkable how many people come to podcasting because of lost and yeah. that show and JJ Abrams, you, you can call a lot of other people, the father of podcasting, but I think he, <laughs> he's really the guy who launched it, <laughs> you know, and uh, created the things that were the springboard because as you said, lost was such a mind blow and it was a puzzle in every episode basically. And so that gave people something to talk about at the water cooler the next day. And let's face it, this is the digital water cooler. That's exactly what it is. And lost had perfect timing because podcasting was really just coming into its own. People have been saying over the last several years, Oh, podcasting has finally hit or podcasting is, you know, no podcasting for those of us who have known about it has been a big thing for a long time and the perfect medium to do a lot of wonderful things. And, for all of us who grew up watching, you know, the X Files is a great example yep. because we just did the revival on that. Mm-hmm. And when I was watching the X Files the first time, it was at home, and then when I was in college, mm-hmm. and so my roommate and I in college, we would watch it and we would talk about it. But that was the end of it. I didn't know anyone else that was talking about it. Yeah. Well, I just got to do a whole series on the X Files. We did a kind of a recap of Chris Carter's essential ten episodes, plus the new six that they gave us, and we had you know, thousands of people all over the world listening to our podcast each week. And then several dozen of those interacting with us each week. And it was just the best thing ever to finally have a water cooler, a worldwide, you know, rabid fan base of people who Mm -hmm. love, have loved this show for 20 years to talk about it with. And we didn't have that back in the day. And so lost was kind of one of those shows that hit at the perfect time that gave with podcasting, you know, coming into its own, gave people a way to really interact and, and dissect this show that was worthy of deep dissection. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So I'm going to ask you some tech questions now. Are you, first of all, are you a techie geek? Well, it sounds like you are. You're producing podcasts for all kinds of people now, but yeah, were, when you so. started, did you do it yourself or did you get some help with the setup and stuff? Well, I, I've been around audio equipment for many, many years mm-hmm. and through church and running the soundboard at church and things Got like it. that. And, and I was in a, a vocal band for a number of years where we had our own equipment that we had to set up and tear down each week. And so I was comfortable with audio equipment, but I certainly wasn't an expert with podcasting. RSS feeds. <laughs> yeah, on all, yeah, exactly. So I, you know, I hit up my friend Cliff and mm-hmm. I said, hey, you know, we're going to start this Fringe podcast. What's the equipment that you recommend? And he gave me some recommendations and we had no budget at the time. Yeah. And so we... We bought what we could. We bought a brand new digital recorder, the Zoom H2, which was fantastic. We yeah. bought 
some mic stands, the like a boom arm. In fact, I still use that original boom arm today. Mm-hmm. And some pop filters, those disc-shaped pantyhose-looking yeah. pop filters that I hate nowadays. Uh, um, but yeah, the, so we kind of bought those, and then I had a buddy that had some equipment in his garage. He's sure. like, "Hey, I used to be in a band, and I've got all these mics and cables that are in this case. You can you can have the case and then this mixing board." And I bought everything he had for like a hundred bucks, which nice. was a steal. Yeah, even though the mixer died, you know, like 45, 60 days later, yeah. it still got it started. Um, so okay. some of it we bought new, some of it we bought used, and and it was a hodgepodge very very much. So and then Cliff, you know, I would pick his brain from time to time. He was always generous with his expertise. Mm-hmm. Well, and he's got that whole brand around, uh, you know, podcast answer man. Although I gather he's he's shifting his brand away <laughs> he's from shifting. that. Yeah, yeah that's <laughs> but right. um, that's interesting. I, I, and I do want to say, you know, back then it was eight years ago, nine years ago. This was a very different way of you had to get started you had to have gear and you had to be able to plug everything in and connect it all up just right and so on it's gotten a lot easier hasn't it oh my gosh so much easier and you know yeah it seems weird to say back in the day when it was only eight years ago but it has changed so much technology has come a long generations eight years yeah that's right and that's the way you have to look at it because digital technology changes so quickly there was no plug into your usb port microphone back then right and now that's all it really takes yeah that's all that it really takes and you can sound so good you know get yourself an atr 2100 plug it into your computer and you are you're good to go Mm -hmm. um there was none rss feeds were becoming more automated back then i never had to hand code my my own rss feed although i could have i I do have that style of background with computer programming but you know guys like cliff did so he started just a couple of years before i did and he was hand coding his RSS feed, so it was it was progressing by the time I got on, but not nearly to the to the extent that it is today. Now, I, I mean, t- mobile, for example, the iPhone didn't exist right, back then. Right. Now you can get a you can get a microphone plugged into your iPhone, and you have a recording studio. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah. I should say, by the way, I didn't at the introduction is that you are not a lawyer. Although most of the posts we interview on the show are lawyers, you are. Uh, providing services in the podcasting space, and that's why I wanted to bring you on the show. So yeah. let's talk a little bit about your show and and what you do for yourself, and and then we'll get into how you got to where you are now with Pro Podcast Solutions and so on. So tell me about stuff I learned yesterday. Yeah, so we we started with podcasting about Fringe, right? And mm-hmm. then from there, we kept podcasting about TV-related things. Mm-hmm. It was other TV shows like Revolution and Almost Human, and we started... Uh, a podcast where we talked about movies that had three things in common, mm-hmm. and we started a podcast about you know, how you, like cable cutter technologies and things like that, but all focused around the entertainment industry. And that's wonderful. I still do that today, and I love all of that. But I had a deep desire to do something more more meaningful, and it seems unfair to say more meaningful because some of the most meaningful experiences that I've ever had, some of the most meaningful, deep rich, life-changing interactions I've ever had have been through Fringe and the TV show podcast. So it's it's easy for people to say, oh, TV show, it's all fluff. And it it doesn't have to be that way because it's all about community and the people that you're interacting with. Yeah, it's great. But I had a desire to do something more, more, something deeper. And so uh, I, for well over a year, was struggling with what to do. And I had a few ideas. And I was at New Media Expo in 2013, I believe it was. 
I think that may be where we first met you and I. It, it might be. And I had taken a break from the sessions. It was at the Rio All Suites Hotel mm-hmm. and Casino in Las Vegas, Nevada. <laughs> and uh, went down to the casino floor and found there was this little Indian restaurant off to the side that led out to a, a garden area. And uh, But I found a bench right there by the Indian restaurant. And I was just kind of dwelling and contemplating. I had just gotten out of this session that was just rocking my mind. I'd taken so many notes and I was kind of reflecting over my notes and trying to figure out what this idea, how this idea was going to come to fruition. And this Hispanic, little Hispanic man came by and he is pulling one of those little dumpsters on wheels that you see, you know, in, 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 you know, inside of hotels and things like that, full of trash and he's taking the trash out. And so he's, I don't remember what song I want to say it was by Sting. It might've been Roxanne. I don't know what song it was. It was mm-hmm. playing over the overhead and he's whistling to that song. He's got a smile on his face and he's taking out the garbage. Hmm. And I'm a whistler by nature. I <laughs> just might drive people up the wall, but I'm a whistler. And I didn't even realize at the time I start whistling and he goes out, he's only out for a minute. He, he's just emptying his little dumpster thing and he comes back and I'm whistling. He's still whistling. Mm-hmm. And he, we're both whistling and he looks over at me and we're probably 15 feet away and he just smiles and we wave. He says, how you doing? And I said, I'm doing good. And he says, good. I'm so glad. I hope you're enjoying your stay here. And then he went on and, and finished his work. And I thought, man, that's such a powerful lesson right there. Um, Here's this guy who probably had no aspirations growing up to one day be a garbage collector for a hotel. (laughs) Right. Nobody dreams of that. And there's nothing wrong with that job. I mean, my goodness, if people weren't doing that job, all of us would be crying out, this mm-hmm. job needs to be done. It's, an, it's, a, necessary, it's a necessary job of this Absolutely. world that gets no respect and no one aspires to do that. Mm-hmm. But not only was he doing that job that nobody else wants to do or aspires to do, he was finding joy in it. He was whistling. You don't whistle unless you're happy. Yeah. And, and not only that, but he had an impact on me. I started whistling and I, was, I found joy in that moment. We, and, and then we shared this moment, just brief as it was, about that where we, 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 were, we shared joy together, mm-hmm. you know, and we smiled and we greeted each other and it made my day brighter. And it all started because this guy who was a garbage collector liked his job and found joy in that job. And I thought, that's it. That's my podcast. It's stuff I learned yesterday. It's taking a look at very practical situations that we have come and go throughout our lives every single day and making sure that we pause to reflect and find life lessons in those everyday situations. And so that first episode was called, um, oh gosh, what was it called? Something of the garbage whistler. Um, <laughs> yeah, I can't, this, the name escaped me just now. I, but anyway, uh, that was the first episode that I did. And now we just have released episode 390 last night. And uh, so it's, it's, it's been a great little podcast for us. And, awesome. and it's not just me anymore. I, I, I couldn't keep up the demand that it started out five days a week and I was running out of ideas and, and things like that. It's becoming really a burden. And so we started bringing in other hosts and then we took it down to three days a week. Now we relaunched it um, just at the beginning of this month and it's back to five days a week and there are now six hosts and it's, it's, um, it's a lot of fun it's, and it's, it's made a difference in people's lives, which is all that I ever wanted it to do. That's awesome. That's awesome. So you, you started uh, a couple years later. Now you've started Pro Podcast Solutions. Tell us about the, the company and what it is you do and who for and uh, all that. Sure. Well, I was in the corporate world for almost 
19 years and started out as a part-time cashier at a, at a store and then kept working my way through the company and mm-hmm. ended up as one of the directors of the company overseeing all the commerce operations. And, mm-hmm. um, but even through that success, if you will, and, and all of that, I just had a desire to do, to get into, into podcasting more and more. It was, it was what I found myself doing mm-hmm. in all of my free time. And even at times when I shouldn't have been, like when I was at my my day job, I found myself working on stuff then too, even when, <laughs> even though I shouldn't have been. And so it was just not good. And we were, at the same time, we were kind of, I had different ideas on how we should be moving the company forward in the, in the e-commerce division and the, the CEO of the company had other ideas. And so it was coming to a point where we needed to, you know, we needed to break. And so I, I left that job in May of, 2013 to do what I do now full time. And at first I did it under the golden spiral media brand, as you mentioned in the intro, and then people started getting confused. I don't understand what golden spiral media is. Is it a podcast production company or is it a network or my clients would come to me and say, are you serious about this? Because I see, you know, you've got this other thing going on too. And I just, I need to know, I'm looking for somebody who's serious and I'm going, yeah, I'm trying to do this full time and put food on my table. I'm pretty serious about it. (laughs) Um, so yeah. the rebranding came. Golden Spiral Media is now just the TV network stuff, plus stuff I learned yesterday that we okay. talked about. And Pro Podcast Solutions was born. But what we do is we take care. We are a full service podcast company. Anything a podcaster would need. If you're needing help defining your structure and what your podcast is going to be about and you know, niching down or just trying to figure out how to get started, what equipment to buy, all those sorts of things mm-hmm. we consult and help people with that. We have launch packages where we can kind of guide you through and take care of all the technical hoops and details that, that are required, help figure out what the perfect equipment is for your budget and the way that you're going to be recording and who all is going to be recording with you and all those th- details. Cause the equipment, there's not a standard equipment package, right. even though we have some equipment packages, you know, it can, it can vary based on needs and budget and, mm-hmm. and that sort of thing. And, and, but most people come to us having already launched and are looking for some help with all the technical mm-hmm. stuff that can easily bog you down. The the ongoing editing of the podcast every single week. Yeah. Um, that's that's what we do more of than anything else. Uh, we also have show notes services for those who don't want to write show notes or mm-hmm. if they want transcription. If they need artwork, whether to revise their current artwork or if they're launching, we can do that for you too. Mm-hmm. We do intros and outros. We have a dozen voiceover, professional voiceover artists that um, our clients can choose from to have their intro voiceover. Like you've got that great voiceover guy that does your intro. So anything that a, a podcaster could need, uh, we we have that available. That's awesome. That's awesome. So how do you think podcasting, I mean, you're, you're serving essentially businesses who are using podcasts or, or just folks who are interested and willing to put a little money behind their podcasts, obviously to pay consultants and, and for services. How does podcasting benefit businesses like that? You know, it varies. It, it really does vary because it depends on what they're looking to get out of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, a previous client of mine, he, he did go ahead and um, retire his podcast about six or eight months ago, but he was a lawyer, mm-hmm. very similar to yourself. He specialized in the mergers and acquisitions part of law. Yeah. Was Harvard business, is is Harvard business trained and has Mm -hmm. a great pedigree. And he was just looking to help 
people, uh, people who have come through his door over the years who are looking to buy or sell a business. They, he saw a lot of patterns and people making the same mistakes or mm-hmm. making the same assumptions or thinking they could do more or thinking they didn't need to get an outside firm to give them a, an accurate you know, a, a reflection of the value of the business and, and helping to figure out um, uh, different terms of the deals and th- those sorts of things. He had all these mistakes that people were making over and over again. And so he thought, you know, I can use this podcast to really help people who are going through the mergers and acquisitions process. I'll bring on people who have gone through it and we can talk about various challenges and things, lessons that they learned, things they would do differently and so forth. And so he was looking, the value he was looking to get out of it was just to really help and educate people. But what he discovered, he wasn't necessarily looking to monetize it, I guess is what I'm saying. But what he discovered was there was value that was gained by the relationships that were being forged and his Rolodex was filling up and that was kind of a side benefit that, that helped him. And so that was one way that, that uh, it helped his business um, kind of a, unintentionally, but it was a really valuable lesson for, for both he and I. Um, yeah, one of my other clients is the, uh, the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. And I don't know much about the Fed. You don't know, probably don't know much about the Fed. I mean, it's this thing that everyone's heard of, but no one really knows a whole lot about. What do they do? You know, and well, one of the things is they have an education division, which I had no idea Hmm. until they approached me about helping them with a podcast. And their podcast is called Does College Matter? And it's done by the education division of the Federal Reserve Bank of San Francisco. And they're focusing on how people can get education in today's landscape and do that without going into debt or do that, you know, trying to make the right decision. Uh, do you need to go to college? Do you need to go to a state college? Do you need to go to a private college? Are there online or alternative educational options that are out there? And so they're just really trying to help educate people on the educational landscape of today. And so they find value in that in helping people make better decisions about their money because ultimately that's education is you know, not cheap in most cases, and you're going to have to spend money. And so it's important for all of us to invest properly in our future, uh, particularly when it comes to education. And so they're finding value in that, that way. And they've gotten a lot of uh, recognition and notoriety for what they're doing. Mm-hmm. So when you work with clients who are interested in doing a podcast, what is, I mean, it sounds like you do a lot of very, you get in involved at various different levels, but you must have some recommendations for folks about their workflow on their end before they, well, either after they take it from your consulting, when they actually go and record, how they prep for their shows. Talk about your how you prep for your shows, but also what you recommend for others and uh, workflow-wise. Yeah, well, workflow is really important. And it, it does start with trying to figure out, before you ever hit the record button, what your what the structure of your show is going to be. And for me, coming from a TV show background, I kind of look at it similarly to that. Mm-hmm. So for example, a, a TV show, it usually fills up about 43 minutes of airtime. And even as they're writing that show, the writers have to figure out where they're going to allow commercial breaks. They're going to build the story to a point and then there's going to be a break. Mm-hmm. And then they're going to build to a certain other point and then there's going to be a break. And they know not only the time in which they have to fill, mm-hmm but they also need to allow for breaks and they also need to allow for certain things to happen. What's going to be the cold lead in to get people hooked into the show? What's going to be the character development that happens and the story that's going to tell? How is it going to build and then resolve? How are they going to end the show? All those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. And so you have these segments 
and you know the duration and you know what you need to do to fill a show. Movies is the same way. A newspaper is the same way. They have a sports page. They have a, you know, a community page. They have a front page. All these different things. And they know how much space they have to fill. And then they can start putting things into that space to fill, to fill out what a newspaper is going to be for that daily edition. So our podcast is the same way. You have... You know, if you're a programmer or a game designer, you have a wireframe. And so you, 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 you filled out that frame. That's your construct of, of what the show is going to be. And now you start filling it in with content. And they're really, both of those are important, but content matters most. I mean, if I can have, it's, I, this is the analogy I use. Um, building a, baking a recipe, my wife makes these wonderful little brownie bites. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so she has the recipe. That's the content, and she puts them into this this muffin pan, this little tiny muffin pans, mm-hmm. and that's the structure. So the structure gives form to the brownie bites. But at the same time, if those brownie bites taste terrible, if I were to make them, for example, <laughs> I would only I would only try those out once, and next time I go, I've had those. I'm not having that again. <laughs> so the the structure is only only gets you so far. You've got to fill that structure with great content, and that's where the recipe comes in. The brownie bites have to mm-hmm. taste good when you eat them, and those are things you have to figure out what it's going to look like and, and how you're going to do that before you ever hit the record button. And then because you have them in place, now you can start filling out your show each week. You know what you need to make a show each week, and that's easier to come up with content to fill that structure and make sure that the content is content that's really mm-hmm. worthwhile. That's great. That's great advice. So you've done, you know, thousands and thousands of podcast episodes for yourself and for other folk, your clients and so on. Do you have among them, can you point to a favorite moment, a funny moment, something like that, that you, from all of those experiences? Man, this question, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to abbreviate this story otherwise i'm going to turn into a sobbing mess um, <laughs> okay let's hear it and i'm not exaggerating and so i was at podfest in florida a couple mm-hmm. weeks ago and someone asked me this question during a video interview and i turned into a sobbing mess i cannot tell this story um but plus for the sake of time because it can get i can get pretty lengthy with it but mm-hmm. you remember how i mentioned a few minutes ago about how tv show podcast has brought me some of the most valuable things that have ever been part of my life sure this is what I mean. There is a, in, in the show Fringe, there's a, and this is going to be spoilery for those of you who don't know Fringe. Sorry, but you know, <laughs> the show ended three years ago. So um, there's, a, there's two characters who have a daughter. When the daughter is like four or five, she's taken from them. Then they, the parents, are frozen in time and she rescues them when she's in her 20s. Wow. Okay. So they reunite. She's in her 20s. They're in their 30s because they've been frozen in time. Mm -hmm. And then a couple of episodes later, she's killed. The daughter is killed Mm -hmm. and taken from them all over again. And it was heartbreaking. And all of us all season long were hoping that somehow time would reset to that moment when she was taken from them. And those people who invaded and took them, because these invaders from another dimension or another Mm -hmm. from the future, really, uh, maybe that wouldn't happen and they would get to live happily ever after. That's what we were hoping for. Yeah. And um, w- what happened was that. And it was done in a really beautiful way. It didn't invalidate anything. They were really smart about the way that they did it. We got this piece of feedback in 
Um, <clears throat> boy, here I go. Okay. Uh, we got this piece of feedback in that from one of our longtime listeners. And she didn't really send in feedback, but she was always there. We would broadcast our shows live. We kind of took the cliff, uh, lost. Um, we, we followed his pattern, I guess, and would do our live, our shows live. And we had a chat room and people would come and join us. And she was always there. Mm-hmm. And she wrote in and said, um, all season long, everyone else has been rooting for there to be a happy reunion, the reset to the park. And I've been rooting against that. <clears throat> she said, because um, I lost my daughter a few years ago. Oh, man. And in real life, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. You don't get your children back when they die. And I didn't think it was fair for Peter and Olivia to get their daughter back when I didn't get my daughter back. <laughs> wow. <sighs> I can't tell the story that right. <laughs> um, uh, and uh, the guys at Fringe did such a beautiful job telling that story or mm-hmm. writing that story that it actually brought healing to Linda. Mm. And she wrote in to let us know that even though she'd been rooting against it all season, now that the story was complete, this is after the series finale, um, it brought healing and understanding and, and, and brought her to a place that she didn't think she would ever be able to get to. Hmm. And so we, we bonded with her in a, in a really deep way over that. And, and, uh, but then the story took a, an even more meaningful turn two years ago, a little over a year ago, actually, almost a year and a half ago, Linda lost her son. Oh my goodness. And it's, you know, you're a father and it's the worst feeling. You never want to outlive your children and here this has happened to her twice. Mm -hmm. No parent should ever have to go through that once, let alone twice. And all of us who knew her story and how she had made so much progress, we're just heartbroken, Mm -hmm. heartbroken. There's a, in the story of Fringe, there's, a, there's a, a white tulip that comes into play. And for the sake of time, I won't, I won't tell the whole story. But just know that in the, in the very last shot of the show was that of a white tulip. Mm. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't tell the story. Uh, so uh, we did the only thing that we could being scattered all around the world. Um, I reached out to something. I broke protocol, something I, I would never otherwise do. But there was a, we did a finale party here in Oklahoma City when the show ended. And so those who had met her in person, she was there. Mm. Uh, we had a really close bond. And, and so I reached out to most of those people put, that we had kind of kept in contact even after the party and said, here's the situation. Here's Linda's address, which is, that's where I broke protocol. I would never give away private information like that mm-hmm, unless I mm-hmm. was to give it to people I trusted and, and that knew her personally. Mm-hmm. Will you, and, and I should also say the white tulip that's on the show isn't a physical flower. It's a, it's a hand-drawn on a, on a piece of card, on a, on a, like a postcard type of mm-hmm. thing. Okay. So um, I said, here's Linda's address. Would you mail her? <laughs> Uh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> That's great. Would you mail her a white tulip? Oh gosh. And uh, so, and I said, don't uh, don't put your address on it. I just make it anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, put the character from the show on the envelope. Okay. And uh, Linda got this bouquet of oh. white tulips from all around the world. Well, USA and Canada, yeah. uh, t- t- mostly, and. Um, 
I got to see her about six or eight months ago, and uh, she said, do you know anything about these white tulips that showed up in my mailbox? Mm. And I, I tried to play coy, but couldn't. I said, well, I don't know. I mean, maybe. She said, I know you know something about it, and I just want you to know that that was the single most powerful thing the thing that meant more to me than anything else, the thing that helped me through the death of my son more than anything else. And uh, it, I mean, you cannot, when I started podcasting in 2008, I never dreamed things like that would happen. Um, and these bonds that we've formed with people uh, through, this, through this TV show and through this community that we have, I mean, po- that's the power of podcasting is to connect with people on, on a really real way in a really real way uh for lack of a better way of phrasing it and uh she she and so many other people in the golden spiral media community are just like family to me and uh really special moments that we've shared together well i mean that is an amazing story and what i'm hearing is you know you must have said the word bond a dozen times in that in that discussion and i think that's really what as you said, the value of podcasting is this ability to create these bonds, to forge these relationships with people you may not have, not ever have met in person or ever meet in person, but they come to value you and you them, and um, you can share a lot of information and really touch a lot of lives by that. I mean, let's not forget, and Linda certainly received that bouquet and 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 received a lot of benefit from it, but all of the people who sent those cards also received a benefit. That's absolutely right. Yes. And the ability to touch that many people, you know, I, I often to, to bring it sort of back to a business thing, you know, one of the things they talk about in, in, in how to grow a business is you got to get out and network. You got to meet people. Well, you know, you go to a networking dinner or a networking cocktail hour or something like that. And you meet three, four five people. You hand out a few business cards and that's considered a successful networking adventure, right? How often does a person get to stand in front of a room full of people? Let's say you've got, let's say you've only got 40 listeners who tune in and listen every week. That's still 40 people hanging on your every word every week that you can reach. You, you can touch a, a big number of people in, in a very um, personal way through podcasting and provide a lot of value. And so, and you know, let's say you've got thousands of listeners, even more so, right? So, um, yeah, I think that your, your ability to reach out and, and with a call to action for those, that many people to send that white tulip through the mail is evidence of the huge power that you have with a podcast. So thank yeah. you for sharing that, that well, story and, and your emotion with it too. I think it's, <laughs> it's very touching. Thank you. It's, it's one that I, it's a story I love to share and with Linda knows that I, that I tell the story and uh, every, she also knows that I, I cry every time I, I tell the story. Um, but that's, that's it. I mean, you talk about having an audience of 40 people. And so many podcasters say, oh, I've only got 40 people that are listening. But if those people were in a, if you were in the same room with those 40 people, your attitude about that number exactly. would be completely different. Yeah. And it's a whole lot easier to build relationships with 40 people, with an audience of 40 people, mm-hmm. than it is with an audience of 4,000 people. So build that relationship you have with the people that are there tuning in and one of two things will happen and probably both your audience will grow mm-hmm. um, and you'll have more meaningful relationships. And ultimately the one that matters most out of those two is the more meaningful relationships. And, but, but I can guarantee you that because those people are feeling connected 
That's what we do. And we, when we find something that we like, we don't hide it or keep it to ourselves. We tell our friends about it. You know, I've, I discovered this amazing uh, toy store here in town over the weekend. My friend turned me on to it that has all the toys from everything that I grew up watching, nice. all the way to current stuff. It was, it's like a museum where you can buy stuff. Nice. And I immediately shared it with like every local nerd that I know. And that's the way it is. When we find something that is impacting us in a positive way, we share it with people. So focus on impacting people, those 40 that you have or whatever that number is, and you're going to find deep relationships, which are the most valuable thing. But your audience is also going to grow because they're getting value and they want to share that. Yeah. And they'll talk about you too, even to people who aren't podcast listeners. Right. You get your brand out. So- Someone just starting out in podcasting, what's the sort of one critical piece of advice that you would offer that person? Well, you know, I already talked about how to figure out the structure and the mm-hmm. content of the show. Those are, those are critical. Um, in terms of the most important piece of equipment that you could buy, I always go to the microphone first. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm talking to you right now on a microphone that is about a $250 microphone. I've got a $300 microphone that I have in my other um, we've got two bays here mm-hmm. in my studio and those are great. I love them. This is the Electro Voice RE320. The other one is a high LPR 40 and I love those. But honestly, go get yourself that ATR 2100 microphone that I mentioned earlier. Yeah, It's between, depending on if it's on sale or not, it's between 50 and $70. You mm-hmm. can use it with a mixer or you can plug it right into your computer and or you can even use it with your iPhone with, if you get one of those USB adapters that can plug from, go from USB into lightning or whatever connector your phone has. And it sounds and that's really all good. you need. Yeah. It sounds amazing. Yeah. It sounds amazing. And, and so that one piece, if you, especially if you're a business and you're wanting to sound professional or, or present yourself as a professional, then you need to sound professional right. and you don't have to break the bank to do that. So that's the biggest piece of advice I give to people. What's the one thing? Well, you got to figure out what you're going to talk about and make sure you're adding value. But after that, make sure you sound good and you don't have to spend a lot of money to do it. Awesome. So let's help our listeners discover some new podcasts. What, what shows are you listening to regularly? Give me a couple. <laughs> I hate this question, Gordon. You don't want to promote one over another? Is that it? Or? No. You know, when I had my corporate job and I had a 40 minute commute every, every way, you know, yeah. so 40 minutes each way, mm-hmm. uh, I got to listen to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> Those podcasts were stuff you should know, mm-hmm. uh, this week in tech, uh, Mac OS Ken, wait, wait, don't tell me this American life. All those, I yep. loved all of those things. And, but now because I'm editing podcasts from my home, mm-hmm. I have no commute and I, my podcast listening is done via editing podcasts okay. for my clients. And so the only podcast that I regularly get to listen to, and I do this every day, is the Daily Audio Bible. Oh. Uh, Brian, I can't even, I don't remember his last name. Brian does it. And, but that's how I start my day. I come into my studio, I start the daily audio Bible, and then I read for personal development and then I get to work. And so, um, but when I, when I do have a commute and I have a chance to listen to a podcast, it's Brian Kane's profit cast is always on the agenda. Um, Cliff's uh, podcast answer man, which is now the Cliff Ravenscraft show. Um, Those are ones 
uh, some of my, I hate to say favorites with my clients because I, I honestly, um, they're all great. But there are some that I personally connect with more than others sure. as I'm listening to it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a history podcast called Ben Franklin's World, oh, nice. and it's amazing. Um, there is one called Challenge Your Thinking. It's also fantastic. I love that one so much. If you're into politics, there's one called Congressional Dish. Jen Briney does that oh, where yeah. she goes through the bills. She doesn't get into the presidential stuff. You won't hear any of that stuff on her podcast. It's not what she's about. Um, she goes through the bills that Congress passes, and you would be blown away mm-hmm. with what Congress is up to because <laughs> you're not focused on what Congress is. You're focused on you know the commander-in-chief and what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So it's a really insightful podcast. Okay. Is there anything I should have asked you that I haven't? I should have been prepared for that question because I hear that a lot on the <laughs> podcasts that I edit. Um, gosh, I don't, nothing's coming to mind. I hate it when, when their guests it, it, don't have anything prepared and I just turned into that guy. It's really okay to say no. It just makes okay. me feel like I'm perfect and that's fun with me. So <laughs> you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, Daryl Darnell, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. And, and also thank you listeners. Um, do me a favor. Oh, I'm sorry, Daryl. Tell us, uh, how to reach you. This has been a great talk and I sort of lost track of my, my uh, rubric here. So tell listeners how they can reach you and how they can get a hold of your uh, uh, pro podcast solutions and uh, what that looks like. Sure. So the website is propodcastsolutions.com. You can email me if you'd like. That's Daryl at propodcastsolutions.com. That's D A R R E L L. If you want to check out the stuff we're doing at Golden Spiral Media, that's simply goldenspiralmedia.com. And we have podcasts about pretty much, not all, because there's so many nowadays. We're blessed to have so much sci-fi and yeah. comic-related TV shows, but that's what we specialize in, our sci-fi and comic shows like Supergirl or even The Walking Dead is based off of a comic, yeah. You know, Flash, Arrow, all those things. That we, we have podcasts for all those guys. Okay. All right. Well, now I will say thank you and also to the listeners for taking the time out to uh, listen to the show. And I hope you'll take another moment out just to send us comments and suggestions. The website at lawpodcaster.com is the place to do that with the comments. Uh, And uh, if you wouldn't mind sending us a review in the iTunes store or wherever else you uh, find your podcasts, that would be delightful as well. And with that, I'm going to say thank you again for listening. This is the wrap up for the episode, this episode of law podcasting podcast. And if you were interested in podcasting for your law practice, the power podcasting for lawyers course is now available. Visit lawpodcasting.com and I'll send you my free law podcasting resource guide for more information. And with that, I'll say, keep on podcasting. Mm-hmm.